You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. Oh, I think, um, no question, ton of missed opportunities out there today. Um, you know, this is a simple game. Um, you know, I think our group knows what winning football looks like. We did not play winning football today. Um, you know, you think about uh, the opportunities and the mistakes within the game. A couple red, red zone opportunities early um, made us kick field goals. We got six to show for some of that momentum we had early. Really made um, two turnovers in the game that led to 14 points. Uh, and we had way too many penalties in the game, okay, and a handful of penalties that resulted uh, in first downs on third down, in particular in the first half. Um, and then you got to give Vanderbilt some credit. They did some things today um, well. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of Florida beating Florida out there today, you know, and that's my job, you know, is to have the players ready to play. We did not do that today. Um, but I, I think our group um, – understands, right, uh, what happened out there today and ultimately not enough to win, you know. Uh, it's that simple. I think um, a lot of the things that we've been doing, uh, we weren't, a weren't able to do today. Um, you know, at times we played well on defense, uh, but we didn't work together today, you know, um, as a team. So I think there's opportunity here uh, for this group uh, to respond the right way. You know, I think ultimately when you go through challenges, you make mistakes, it uh, gives you an opportunity to respond, to show your character. Uh, I think this is going to be an opportunity for this group to stick together. You know, they've worked extremely hard to become a team. Um, and certainly, you know, these, these uh, experiences give you an opportunity to show that, to show that character, to show that togetherness. Um, you know, and we've got an opportunity to go play again this year. Ouch. That was not the result I expected against a one of the worst, the worst team in the SEC. Florida loses. That's right. You heard me. Loses to Vanderbilt 31 to 24. Florida 445 total offensive yards loses to Vanderbilt. 45 rushing yards against a team that was giving up an average of over 170-plus on the ground. Could not get any run game going whatsoever. Penalties, 7 for 80 yards. Key penalties, too. Key penalties on third downs. Key penalties on explosive runs. Special teams, game changers. Yeah, they're changing the game, all right. Not in your favor. Giving up a touchdown there on special teams. Three for three in the red zone, though, for Florida. Three for three in the red zone for Vanderbilt, though. Average rush yards per rush. Georgia held Florida to its lowest average rush yards per rush. Vanderbilt, 2.1 yards per rush against Vanderbilt. Not going to cut it, man. Not going to cut it. This team came out there, did not play up to their standard, didn't even look prepared, didn't look properly coached at the same time. Got to blame it on the coaching staff as well. Can't just blame the players. Anthony Richardson threw 400 yards. He had to because we couldn't run the football, but threw 400 yards. If you were to tell me that he would have 400 yards on the day, I would have told you we win this football game. Vanderbilt, only 108 yards passing. thing that really kills me is a stat underneath it. Rush yards, 175 to Vanderbilt. I, I, I could have sworn, and I, and I said this in Gators Breakdown Plus Discord, I said all Vanderbilt has to do against Florida to win this football game is run the football around the perimeter. Our defensive players aren't fast enough to catch them. Our defensive players have been slow all year. You run around the perimeter on Florida, you're going to at least get a three to five yard chunk because there's not going to be anybody there in some green grass. I mean, that's just how it is. It's how I've seen it all year. Florida, just unprepared, slow, lacks a days of cool, miscues all over the place. 
special teams once again, second game in a row, can't get anything going there. Miss an extra point on top of that. Hail Mary sailing 30 yards out of the stands. I don't know what that was about either. I mean, it just all, all over around. Awful. Awful. Florida, only one sack against Vanderbilt. Didn't allow any. I mean, didn't allow any sacks on the other end, but Vanderbilt, 33 minutes and 26 of possession. Florida, 26 minutes and 34 of possession. Florida, two turnovers, costing them 14 points. Vanderbilt, two turnovers as well, but Florida cannot capitalize on turnovers still. Zero points of two Vanderbilt turnovers. Two fumbles, one loss for Florida. Just, just horrible, horrible game by Florida. Third down conversions, four for 15 for Florida. Seven for 13 for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt ran just as many plays as Florida did. 62 to 64. Average yards per play, Florida 7, Vanderbilt 4.6. Okay, cool. Average yards per completion, 16. Florida, 10.8 for Vanderbilt. All right, yeah. Looking at some of these statistics, you would think Florida won the football game. Then you go look at the score, you're like, hmm. Wow, what went wrong in this football game? And you know what my answer is to that? Everything that could go wrong <laughs> went wrong in this football game. All the penalties costing, all the third down stops against Vanderbilt. Now, it, Florida had three third down stops. And I may have counted four third down stops against Vanderbilt. Every single one of those third down stops that I mentioned, you had a penalty that extended the drive for Vanderbilt so they could drive it down the, the field and score. You don't get stupid penalties like that. You win the football game. And a freak interception, too. We'll talk about that one. You know, Richardson on the verge of getting sacked. Throws, just throws it up there. I mean, it shouldn't have really even been picked, but it was picked off. <laughs> Vanderbilt scored on that, too. So, yeah. I mean, just an all-around, like, first of all, lackluster performance from the defense, especially in rush defense. Not a, really a lackluster part passing the football from Richardson, but what's going on with the offensive line? You can push around everybody this whole season, with the exception of maybe Tennessee and Georgia, but you can't push around Vanderbilt? You can't push around Vanderbilt. Makes no sense to me. I, I have no clue. I'm at a loss for words. The whole game, I was scratching my head. It was a headache to watch. I know that everything that could have went wrong for Florida went wrong in this game. I get that. No push from the offensive line. Key drops. Um, you know, just overall, the, the penalties, it's just, this was completely undisciplined football all the way around. Special teams, I'm game changers, as I said, man. What's going on with that? Last two games, special teams. Non-existent. Can't get an extra point. Can't hit a field goal. Can't know when a fake's probably coming when somebody's down 24 to nothing. Um, Jason Marshall, I don't even know why Jason Marshall's back there trying to return kicks. That was the dumbest thing I would have ever done. But no design run plays either. Trying to run it right up the gut every single time when you know Vanderbilt has all their guys up there, all their linebackers, no creative run plays whatsoever. How many times did we try to run around the edge? How many times did we try to get creative in the run game? I didn't see it. I didn't see it at all. How many times... Could Anthony, and I'll say this too, I counted it four times. Anthony Richardson could have kept the football and ran with plenty of green grass in front of him. What's keeping Anthony Richardson from doing that? Why is he not keeping some of these? I mean, we heard him in his press conference, but he's been doing this all year. I mean, there's a couple of you know times where he has kept the football and he's gotten really good yardage out of it. Oh, yeah, let's see it more. You're going to have to run Anthony Richardson, Montrell Johnson, and Trevor Etienne to get the run, the run game going and to keep defenses honest. They don't know if it's coming from the quarterback. They don't know if it's coming from a running back. You know, when you hand off a football, they know you're not going to tuck it and run. So why even play to that? Just bring all the guys in the middle because that's where they're going. They're not going to the right side, the left side. Quarterback ain't, you know, isn't going to run the ball. Just going to go to the middle. 
just uh, the offensive play calling for the most part is just it was dumb. It, it was really dumb. Now I know that Billy says he keeps most of the plays to his quarterback, so he, whatever you got to blame them both still too. But a piss poor performance from the University of Florida. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. And I, and I don't want to be I don't want to go on a tangent this whole podcast. I want to make it entertaining for you guys to listen to and all that. I get that. I don't really want to break down the game. I'm going to go straight to the comments because we all know what happened in the game. Basically, the miscues, the penalties, the 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 game changers that changed the game for the other team instead of us. Uh, that's what caused the really what caused us to lose this football game. I mean, obviously, the defense could have played way better in rush defense. It seemed like Vanderbilt could run circles around the defense, especially on the left and the right side. Uh, but it's, it's just awful. It was just awful. So I'm going to go straight to the comments. I said, tough loss yesterday, which technically wasn't yesterday. It was Saturday, but I posted this right after the loss. Lots of miscues and mistakes. What are your thoughts? We'll go to Bravo Dave. No good thoughts. However, the only thought that dominates is hoping AR goes the NFL. I'm done with thinking this is the reason he isn't playing to his full potential because he's making business decisions. I'm okay if he is, but if he is, he just needs to go to the NFL. Last week, he says that people need to fill the 240 pounds, and Napier confirms it by saying he's 100% in control and running. Then in this game, he doesn't run it one time, but one time. Now, actually, there was two. We may have to consider that this push and pull is one of the reasons that is. Now, I'll say this. He did say that. If you want people to feel the 240 pounds, I mean, you... You got to run it first. That's how they feel it. I mean, you can't say, I want people to feel this train coming through when I'm coming through the tracks and just not run the motor. (laughs) You got to be able to run the motor and start going. So um, that didn't work. Yes, you're right about that. However, I I don't think it's a AR saving himself for the league kind of thing. I think it was more, especially this game plan, I think Florida and the coaches just – wanted to make sure they could breeze by Vanderbilt and walk away with very little injuries in this game, which actually kind of backfired with because of all the wide receivers that are out, and we, we, we lost the football game on top of that. So uh, playing it safe sometimes does not mean the best. So I, I, I thought Florida thought that they could go in there and just run the football down Vanderbilt's throat and, and win the football game. That didn't even happen. So I don't know what the offensive line was doing. Um. Just look piss poor, man. Piss poor. C7 underscore dude. I think the team as a whole got caught looking ahead and paid for it. Yep, exactly what I just said. That's exactly what it was. You looked ahead, you paid for it. Jimmy H, you hit the nail on the head. Never seen a game with as many penalties, drop balls, overthrown balls, trying to catch a punt over your head. We play a clean game and the Gators win going, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't even know why Jason Marshall's back there trying to return kicks anyway. That was dumb. That was behind him. Let it fall in the end zone. You're fine. You're good. Makes no sense to me. And then what really, what really just irritated me, Hail Mary. Why is that thing going 30 yards into the stands? Some will say, well, he, he threw it out. I don't think he meant to throw it that far. I think that he just doesn't know his arm strength sometimes and launch that thing into the stands. You can't do that. That is just, oh, that was awful. Sorry. CJ Black, I wish AR had the leadership Tebow had. That was an embarrassing in any way you slice it. D-line couldn't feast. O-line didn't generate push. Drop balls all day and dumb penalties. Team looked disinterested. We have to beat FSU or all the built-up momentum seasons. Yeah, uh, already went all over that. And, and I'll say this, too. Most kids don't care about a first-year head coach's season when it comes to recruiting. Winning helps. Don't get me wrong. Winning helps. But losing to Vanderbilt doesn't. That was a bad loss. Now, you can say, well, Miami, they're recruiting pretty well, and they've lost to a lot of teams they shouldn't have lost to. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's hurting Mario Cristobal. You know, how Jaden Rashada kind of changed his mind a little bit and came to Florida after all those losses and such. A little bit of a change of a heart. Yeah, see, that's what happens. You got to win games. You got to show progress. Now, I'll say this, Florida... They played a way harder schedule. Kids see that. And Florida's losses haven't been that bad. They haven't been big blowouts. I mean, Miami's getting blown the doors off of just about every game. So it looks a lot worse on them, but still. 
you can't lose to Vanderbilt. It doesn't even matter. You're Florida. You you are the University of Florida. You do not lose to Vanderbilt. Period. Whatsoever. So, yeah, that that was not a good look. But we'll wait till early signing day to see what happens. Jimbo Bannister, at a loss. I don't know what to think at this point. Like Gator Dave says, never a dull moment. Yep, never a dull moment in Gator Nation, man. Um, yeah, I don't know what to think either. I'm just a little frustrated with it as well. But we'll we'll power through this podcast. Like I said, we'll we'll get through there and we'll preview FSU here with Seth Varnador coming up. But I just wanted to get a few things off my chest and get some of your fan comments in here from the game. And I don't want to really dumb down the mood of this whole podcast because I could go and complain about this for about 30 minutes to an hour. And I'm pretty sure that's not what you guys want to hear. You guys want to hear, hey, how do we get past this, right? How do we get past the L? And uh, this is how we get past the L. You go in there into Tallahassee and you somehow find a way to beat Florida State after the role that they're on. Nobody. And I mean, nobody is going to care about this Vanderbilt loss anymore. So I brought on Seth Varnador from Varnador Films to break it all down for us with all the film, the formation, some of the things that Florida State likes to run, and maybe where Florida can take advantage of Florida State and hopefully come out with a victory. Of course, everybody's picking Florida State. I am. Seth is, too. You have to right now from what you've seen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Florida's going to lose to Florida State, even with the injuries at wide receiver. But I brought on Seth Varnador, and I'll have him here on the second part of Getting Swamped, coming up. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout out on Twitter at WS Woodcarving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White and Sons Woodcarving. Top of the line signs made from scratch. Lots of people are wondering, what's Gator Collective? It's a team of talented athletes and passionate fans. It's the playbook for our NIL success. To earn compensation for our name, image, and likeness. It's exclusive access to unforgettable moments. (gasps) This includes autographs, interviews, appearances, and more. It's what connects Gator athletes like me. And me. And me. With you. So what are you waiting for? You are a part of our team when you join the Gator Collective. You do a great job supporting your Gators. This is your chance to show your support off the field. Join Gator Collective today and help Gator Nation be the best place for NIL opportunities. Go to GatorCollective.com today and support the Gators like never before. Man, if you picked Spencer Rattler last week against Tennessee, I bet you feel on top of the world this week, especially after last week where Rattler got his noggin rattled by Florida in the swamp a week prior. But no matter what you pick when you make your first deposit, your boy David Soderquist has you covered when you sign up for prizepicks.com with promo code SWAMPED. Join prizepicks with promo code SWAMPED to get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 on your first deposit. PrizePix offers a variety of sports like football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, soccer, tennis, esports, and even PBA bowling. Hey, I used to be a bowler back then too. And if you want to be a baller and double your money on your first deposit, sign up for prize picks with promo code SWAMP to double your money this Thanksgiving up to $100. You know, we're all thankful for football like me. And let me thank you by putting some extra money in your wallet today when you sign up for prize picks with promo code SWAMP. PrizePicks.com. Daily Fantasy Simplified. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist, your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, folks, joining me on Getting Swamped once again, Seth Varnador, and we're going to preview the Tallahassee matchup between Florida and Florida State. And right now, not looking so good on the injury front. Jaquavian Frazier's, Xavier Henderson, Justin Shorter, Bowman, I'm not going to try to say his whole name because it's hard to pronounce, and Marcus Burke, all wide receivers, all out for injury. Ricky Persaw, questionable, but hopes to see the field here at Tallahassee on Friday. And Seth, man, it, it looks like a, a very one-sided 
game, I guess when you look at it statistically, you know, Florida with its inconsistencies and Florida State, they've lost three games against teams that maybe, you know, they kept it close with Clemson, which was looked really good there. Uh, you know, that loss to NC State was kind of like just, what was that? And then on top of that, I know they Jordan Travis was hurt for a little bit as well. But man, pretty, Jordan Travis, pretty consistent here. He's been one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC and in the country as of late. As I said, didn't start off too hot at the beginning of his career, but man, I mean, he he's really, really put it together this year. 21 total passing touchdowns, only four interceptions. Very, very phenomenal touchdown to interception ratio there. 2,527 total passing yards and a 64.9% completion rating. Now, this defense here, they're in for one heck of a challenge this Friday. It's Seth, I know you watch a lot of film, and a defensive backfield's best friend is their defensive line. Florida State has allowed 78 quarterback hurries, nine sacks. Jordan Travis actually has been sacked 13 times, but not on the offensive line, maybe just scrambling around and get sacked or something like that. How does Florida help out mostly a struggling defense in the backfield and get some pressure on Jordan Travis? Yeah, so I've been watching a a little bit of Florida State. I think I've watched about four or five of their games now. Um, they're pretty good when you look at like their stuff rate and things like that, and their the havoc rate they allow. It's pretty good, but I there are times where and and I think the one of the issues with going back and watching them is they've had some injuries up front, so you're not quite sure who exactly, um, you know, is this guy a starter? Was he coming in for you know as a backup here? Uh, but there are times where they get beat off the edge pretty easily. Um, I don't think their tackles are great. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of. Um, a little bit of South Carolina. I thought the same with them. I didn't think their tackles were great super athletes or anything, but they've got some big bodies up front and they do a really good job in the run game. And they have a bunch of different run schemes that can kind of keep you honest. They do zone stuff. They do gap stuff. So that's like, you know, your counters, uh, your powers, your traps, that kind of thing. Um, jet sweep. stuff. it's pretty, it's not too dissimilar really in the run game to what Florida does. Uh, but maybe a little bit more of those counter and gap scheme runs. And everything has uh, Reed attached to it with Travis, who can make you or who can hurt you with his legs. So uh, I think, you know, Ford is going to have to stand up in the run game if they can and get to these obvious passing downs. I think they can win some one on ones in the past, uh, in the pass rush. Uh, they just think got to maintain lane integrity because Travis is a guy that I think we saw last year in this game. He's pretty slippery. And if you're not careful, yeah. he can kind of sneak out and make something happen. But if you meet, if you keep him in the pocket and make him uh, throw with kind of chaos coming around him, he's a little bit like everybody. He's a little bit worse there. So if you can get some pressure on, which I think you can with your front four, um, and an obvious passing as you can bring those creepers and that kind of stuff too. Uh, that's where you're going to have to get them. If you can shut down the run game early downs, get them to obvious passing situations, I think you can win up front. Uh, but that's easier said than done with how good they've been running the ball this year. Yeah, and if you go back and just kind of look at, like, even the the first game of the season against LSU, now that LSU team is a lot better down the stretch now, I think. If yeah, they they're played, different. If they played Florida State again, I'm pretty sure they could beat them now, but <laughs> before then, the beginning of the season, they struggled, and, I, and when they pressured Jordan Travis, he made plays every single time he was pressured. They didn't have Harold Perkins totally weaponized yet. Yeah, and I think they do now. Now they the way they play him is they'd have Perkins sitting there as a spy, and he'd kind of eliminate a lot of that stuff. So, yeah, I, I think LSU would give them some problems now uh, that they didn't quite have going for them early. But yeah, if you don't if you don't keep Travis in the pocket, he's you know he's really quick. He's he's the he's a kind of he's a totally different runner than Richardson. Uh, a lot more slippery, uh, a little more quickness um, can make a guy miss in space. Uh, he's a really big part of their offense, obviously, is the trigger man. But uh, I think if you can kind of limit his off-script plays, if you can limit those runs that kind of come up out of nowhere, you know, you give yourself a pretty good chance. Yeah, Jordan Travis under pressure, 46.3%, 540 yards, 6.8 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, two interceptions. But when he's blitzed, 64.3% completion rating, 1,043 yards, 9.1 yards per attempt for 13 touchdowns. So uh, if you go and you like to, the PFF stats like I do, it's pretty good when he's blitzed, when he's pressured. Not many quarterbacks are that great when they're pressured no. anyway. So um, at least on the blitz, he can see the blitz coming and he can pick you off pretty well when he's getting blitzed there. Uh, we'll move on. 
Let's move on to the running game, man. Running-wise, Florida State seems to have a good one-two punch there uh, with Trey Benson, Treshawn Ward. Trey Benson's 858 yards, 7.1 yards per attempt. Six touchdowns, averages 4.85 yards after contact, which is insane. Has forced 70 missed tackles, has 26 runs of 10-plus yards or more. Yikes. That's... That's, that's a stat to look at there. Treshawn Ward, 538 yards, 6.7 yards per rush as well. Five touchdowns, 17 runs of 10-plus yards or more. Ventro Miller, he's out for the first half of this game for a targeting call against Vanderbilt. That probably wasn't even a targeting call. It's pending approval. I'm sure it won't get you know an approval because most of them don't. What are some things you've seen on film that may help Florida stop this run game, especially with Ventro Miller being out in the first half? Just real quick to go back to the kind of the against the blitz stuff. One thing Florida State's really good at and does a, and spends a lot of time on is screen. They're really good at screen, throwing to the backs, throwing to the tight ends, throwing to the receivers. And we're so, not good at that. Not blocking. Yeah, <laughs> no, so they're a really good screen team. So that's something you got to watch out for when you do bring pressure because they'll call them, they like to call them a second and long, but they'll call them kind of any down. As far as the run game, I think you've got to be able to stop their gap scheme stuff. Uh, you know, so when you know, counter, right? Florida's had been up and down a little bit with it, defensively taking on. I think they've gotten better the last few weeks. Um, you know, Boone does a pretty good job with it. Uh, Princeton does a pretty good job with it. Um, you know, those guys do a pretty good job taking on that first blocker and kind of killing the play. Where Florida State's had some success, if you go back and watch them against Miami, they're getting some push in the middle. And even when guys are coming in and meeting the first puller, they're getting so much push that there's still a ton of room. So, you know, a guy like Biz, Big Dez has got to be stout in there, take up a couple blocks, and then let kind of keep bodies off, you know, whoever's playing at linebacker. Well, uh, a lot of people are getting pushed against Miami. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of the underlying thing with this Florida State team is, um, you know, I, I will, I'm sure we'll kind of get to general thoughts towards the end but the, yeah I, I this game kind of reminds me of another one a little bit the teams aren't quite as good but it reminds me of a game from the past that we'll, we can talk about but uh, yeah I, that's kind of you know they i think what makes them so difficult to stop in the run game is that they they can tag the quarterback on the kind of everything so you know they can run a counter where the quarterbacks you know following the blockers and the backs going opposite so like bash counter they can run counter where the backs following the pullers and the quarterbacks opposite and just like a normal read uh, so that's kind of the difficult thing. So you're going to have to commit bodies to it. And then they have big bodies at receiver that they'll take shots to if you commit too many bodies to the run game. But if you go back and watch North Carolina State, they did a pretty good job defending this offense. They got them in some third and longs, made them throw into zones, made it a little bit more difficult on them. Now they do some three down lineman stuff. Florida's kind of um, – they flirted with some of that or some tight front stuff where you put, uh, you know, big Des right over the center as a nose and move Dexter out just inside the tackle. And, and you have another inside eye of the other tackle. And then you have two guys up on the edge. They flirted with some of that um, against South Carolina. I think they went with a good bit of, of, of it and they, they kind of started to show it after the buy. some more of that tight front where it's kind of a three down line, but it's really like a five man front just to, the outside backers are kind of off the ball and just playing that gap from further away. So maybe they go to some more of that, maybe some bare front type stuff to try to just make it a little bit tougher on some of these run concepts. Cause I think if you slow down the running game, this passing game is good, but I don't think it's, you know, crazy. It's not like an air raid passing team where they, I don't, they'll right. just sit back and pick you apart. I, th- I think a lot of it's predicated on the run game. They're good in the passing game, but, if you slow down the run game, I think you can kind of give them some problems. And you go back, Wake Forest kind of held them down in the run game pretty well. Um, and, you know, phys- Wake Forest is not like an unbelievable defense. So uh, maybe there's something there they can look at that Wake Forest is able to do, maybe some scheme or something there. But they've run the ball pretty well, but it's not like they've run over everyone they've played. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, just looking at some of the film that I was, I kind of went on YouTube a little bit, looked at some. I haven't really watched Florida State that much this year. Uh, did watch them against Miami, um, but just about every team is whooping Miami right now, even Middle Tennessee. <laughs> but, um, you know, watched them against Clemson, pretty impressive game there, I would say. They, they kept that one down to the wire. I think that was a seven-point game between them and Clemson, or it was an eight-point game. 
Yeah, Clemson got up. I think that Clemson got up, uh, you know, 31-17. They got out in front, and Florida State kind of climbed back at the end of the game. Even though I think Florida State jumped out to a lead, Clemson responded, got up a decent bit, and then Florida State closed the gap at the end. But they did move the ball into the red zone. I think they moved down to the goal line uh, and got stopped on fourth down or had a turnover. They, they moved the ball on Clemson a decent bit. Yeah, and uh, looking at just the rushing here, if I can pull it up real quick, uh, total of 2,515 yards. Um, I was looking at Trey Benson's rushing statistics, too. Um, I guess against the lesser opponent, and against LSU, he only rushed 15 yards, but like against better defenses, he's still gotten yardage, but really hasn't pushed over 100 against like some of the better teams in the SEC. So that's something to also kind of like look at and maybe be able to do but Florida I mean you go back look at USF you go back to any of these other teams that they've played on their schedule I've got a note uh, I've got a note on USF for everybody uh USF is actually one of the top half offenses Florida's played this year that's it there they're, you go they're 43rd in SP plus on offense for reference LSU's 36 so uh, they'd be about fourth on FSU's opponent list in terms of offensive strength. So the offense for USF is actually pretty good. And this is with uh, three different quarterbacks and all kinds of different stuff like that. The offense of USF is not bad. Their defense is really bad. They're like worse in the country. So that's the side of the ball. I think you worry about more in the USF game than the USF offense. I think a lot of people will look at the Louisville game after and mm-hmm. see they put up a zero, but they actually their quarterback got dinged up against against Florida. So they couldn't. They decided not to run him at all, and they were down their top four receivers, which we're about to find out this week is not a lot of fun. So, yeah, I know, I know. Trust so me. that I think going back and looking at the game, I think they kind of punted it, hoping to win, getting everybody healthy for the start of conference play. So that wasn't the best kind of. I think everyone's mind they see the game against Florida, then they go to the Louisville. It's like, oh, this team's terrible. They they got shut out by Louisville. There's some kind of context around that. They're actually a pretty good offense. Yeah, and we all know the transfer property sometimes matters, but most of the time really doesn't because every game's different and it's yes. every given Saturday. Ask South Carolina against Tennessee. So <laughs> Yeah, there's a prime prime example this past weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a weird Saturday for sure. Uh run game, uh something to be interested there for Florida State for sure. Let's move on to receiving. Yeah. Uh Florida State doesn't really have but one decent leading receiver by the name of Johnny Wilson, but they have nine other receivers who have caught for 100 yards this year, two with over 300, two with over 200 yards. So it kind of does look like they like to spread the ball out to the receivers a lot. Uh, Florida's defense passing-wise hasn't given up many yards the past eight quarters, only 193 to South Carolina, 108 to Vanderbilt. But I don't think they've had to face a passing attack like this that spreads the ball out this much with the exception of maybe Georgia, and we all know how that game went. That one wasn't the best. Uh, What does Florida have to do to stop this Florida State passing attack against Jordan Travis? Well, I think, you know, if you can get in them, the key in this game and key in most games really early downs, if you can get them into some obvious passing situations and you can kind of tee off in the pass rush game, that'll help. But they've got a bunch of big-bodied receivers, uh, but I don't think they don't have a guys that I don't think they have a guy that's just a straight like burner. Uh, so maybe you feel a little bit more comfortable playing some man coverage. They've got some really good guys. They've got some really good receivers, and they throw to their tight ends and backs a ton too. So they're going to make you kind of defend the whole field. But I think you got to get them in these obvious passing situations where you can start bringing some exotic looks. And you don't have to kind of get stuck in a def- a third and four defense or things like that. You got to kind of be able to bring some exotic pressure, some different things like that to confuse them. But, you know, you know, I don't, Wilson is a guy that early in the year, they were really concerned about his drops. And I guess he was, had a ton of drops in camp and they were kind of concerned with his hands and he's done pretty well, but there are times where drops pop back up for him. So, you, you know, you might see some of that. Uh, but they've got I – th- I think they like to use those big bodies with 50-50 balls on the outside, and they'll run some in-breaking routes with RPO and play-action stuff attached to it and let those guys kind of post up their bodies a little bit. So they're going to be a challenge for Florida, but it's not – it's going to be a different challenge, I think, than some other teams they play where it's a lot of speed and explosiveness over the top. Uh, these guys are physical, so if Florida's can be physical at the, at the point of attack and 
and play in their hip pocket, I think they can do that. I think they can cover them. Uh, it's just going to be winning those 50-50 balls. Can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and luckily, most of our defensive players are pretty healthy. <laughs> so at least that side of the football is looking yeah, pretty knock good. On, knock on wood. Let's knock on wood. Hopefully we can get a uh, a, a, a half of a Texas A&M game performance and a whole South Carolina performance, not what we yeah. saw last week against Vanderbilt, where they yeah. seemingly couldn't block any person running around the perimeter of the field. So, yeah, uh, yeah, that'll definitely be a matchup to look out for. Now, this will be strength on strength, and I've been running some numbers on this, man. Florida State, and I like pro football focus. That's one of my favorite sites to go to, and I know they count sacks differently. Florida State so far, 36 total sacks (laughs) this year so far as far as the defensive grades here at Florida with only 19. Now, I know... They play in different conferences. The opponents may not be as hard as the ones in the SEC. But you look at Florida's offensive line, they don't give up that many sacks. Osiris Torrance still hasn't given up a sack this whole year. If he can go two more games, I guess, if he plays the bowl game, he will go his whole career without giving up a sack, which is actually impressive. Um, It'll be strength on strength here, man. How how do you see this matchup coming with Florida's offensive line and Florida State's defensive line? Well, I think it's going to – you're going to end up getting, I would imagine – a lot of pressures and things like that from Florida State. They are um, not just from the front four. I think they're going to load the box and, and play with, uh, you know, bring some blitzes, bring some things like that. I wouldn't be shocked if they played a good bit of man coverage. They'll play man. They'll play. They'll mix it up in the back end. But uh, they've got some guys who can get off get off the ball and rush the pasture versus a pretty good player. Um, they've got some big guys in the interior. But they don't. I don't think they cause a ton of havoc up front. From what I saw, our buddy uh, Bud Davis put out today. They they do they can get to the quarterback though. But I, I think you may be able to run on them a little bit. Um, and, and my this game, what the most interesting thing about this game to me is, you know, I'm just looking at strength of schedule, looking at teams faced. Um, Florida State, the average offense they've played in SP Plus is ranked 68th in the country. Florida, by comparison, is 48th. Um, their opponents are 48th. And, and Florida themselves is, I think, a top 20 offense, 23. So this is going to be definitely one of the better offenses Florida State has played this year, this Florida offense. So that the numbers for Florida State are pretty gaudy when you look at all of them. Yards per play, they're really good on both sides of the ball. Available yards percentage, really good on both sides of the ball. I think it's going to be interesting to see how are those inflated or are they just kind of this good? They've been able to take the jump this year. That's kind of my biggest question going into the game. I think that's Florida's best chance, obviously, if those numbers have been inflated by competition. Uh, But, you know, it's they've not seen many really good offenses this year, and but they've done what – a good team should do and they've feasted on those teams so you know I, I you're gonna see i think a really aggressive florida state defense i would imagine and if florida can you know you know there's always risk reward right that i think they don't think florida's gonna be able to get loose if they bring pressure outside but you know you pop a couple and these these explosive plays go for big time explosives now and, and maybe you get a couple explosive scores and that maybe changes up what they want to do. But I'd imagine they'll be really aggressive up front, bring blitzes, play some man coverage. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if Florida can get them out of it. Yeah, I hope so, because uh, last week against Vanderbilt, uh, Florida did not have a good time running the football. And um, even though that Richardson passed for 400 yards, they still lost the football game, barring a lot of mistakes and miscues as well. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. Vanderbilt, I think, moves their front a lot. And they did some things to try to confuse Florida. Florida State will move their front a little bit, but it's not as much. They're, they're, they they kind of let those guys come off the ball and play. Yeah. So I, you're going to see some games up front, but Vanderbilt was running a ton. And they had some specifically really good ones for against his own run uh, where they kind of take your eyes away as a blocker and bring somebody back to the backside of you and kind of right in the hole you're trying to open up in the run game. They'd bring somebody right there. So um, Florida State hasn't shown a ton of that. Uh, so far this year, but uh, you may see some some movement up front, but it's not been as prevalent as Vanderbilt, and I think that's what gave Florida some problems. 
Yeah, absolutely. That will be the most interesting match for me to watch is how Florida's offensive line deals with Florida State's defensive line. It kind of seems like a strength-on-strength sort of thing with, I guess, Florida State and the schedule they play and Florida with the schedule they play. And if you look at it, I I like to use this site called Power Ranking Guru, which consistently Mm -hmm. updates the strength of schedule every week with wins and losses. And right now, Florida's played the 18th-ranked strength of schedule in the nation, Florida State 50th. So... If yeah. that tells you anything, gives you a little bit of hope there, okay, well, there you go. Yeah, I, there's there's a guy, I think it's Brian Framo or Fremo. Uh, his site is bcftoys.com, but he splits strength of schedule into how many losses would an elite team having at your schedule, a good team, and an average team. Florida's got the number one toughest schedule for an elite team. They say that an elite team, which is like two standard deviations above an average team, would have two losses against Florida's schedule. An average team would have over seven losses, which is 12th in the country. Florida State's in the mid-50s in all three categories. So their schedule has not been the toughest. Like you said, it's kind of in the it's in the 50s area, while Florida's is probably a, a an upper echelon schedule. There you go. So anything to make you guys feel better out there, especially with the, <laughs> That's what you got to hold on to, I think. Yeah, with the receivers missing and all that other <laughs> kind of stuff. Maybe you can hold on to hope with that one. <laughs> Yeah. All right, Seth, man. Uh, I was going to ask you a few more. I, I wanted to ask you how you expect us to uh, pass with all these receivers being out, but that's probably just a big question mark with you too, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, what I'm interested in is do we finally get the two-back personnel? Do we get yep. two backs on the field at the same time? There have been a couple of times where I've you know, done like the DiCaprio meme, sit up and point when I saw two guys in the backfield but ended up one of them was a receiver. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So maybe we'll get two on the field at the same time. But I think that's via if you want to get your best 11 out there, that's definitely uh, with this group. That's definitely going to involve two backs. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they change things up because they're going to have to do something. I don't think you can just go in there with your, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth receiver and just be like, all right, we're just going to run the offense. You're going to have to do something different. Yeah, I see uh, some running back passes probably, too. Uh, just yeah, and that's that one thing. If you're if Florida State's got caught a few times playing man coverage, backs getting out of the backfield on them. So if they are going to bring pressure, hey, throw it over their heads to these backs. Uh, th- these guys are both. Um, I, I would really like to see Etn out in the open field. Uh, I think that'd be a good thing for Florida. So you know maybe there's more passing to the backs this week than normal, um, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, maybe some uh, more check downs and some wheel routes out there. <laughs> yeah, let them rip. All right, Seth, man, thank you for joining me, kind of previewing here what you expect Florida and the formations, Florida State, you know, all that stuff. I don't know that football terminology as much as you do, and I know you're really good with, uh, you know, the plays and you've, you've been a coach and all that. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you on YouTube, where your work, what you do for USF, Florida, all that good stuff, man. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Seth Varnador. If you're watching the video, it's just up here as my name there. Uh, on YouTube at Varnador Films. Uh, I typically do a preview. I'm not doing a Florida State preview this week because I think it'd get lost in the shuffle, uh, the video. But I will have a, a written piece coming out for Alligator Army uh, Friday morning, I believe. And yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, everything kind of gets posted through there. Twitter and YouTube are, are, are the big spots. And you can catch him in Gators Breakdown Plus Discord if you're a member. Yeah, it's as well. a lot of fun in there. It's a lot. Uh, it's a little more sane than a message board. Yeah, well, so. yeah. We we treat it like the couple of guys bellying up to the bar. We just kind of talk crap, and every now and then we say something intelligent. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've enjoyed it. I'm not. Uh, I've never been a big message board guy, but I, I've I've enjoyed the conversation. There's there's a lot of guys in there that you know uh, know ball, so it's 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 a fun time. Yeah, Dave keeps it pretty filtered in there. So any of you folks that want to get away from the message boards, yeah, hit up Gators Breakdown Discord. Seth's in there. I'm in there. A lot of other people are in there as well. Well, Seth, thank you for joining me on Getting Swamped. And uh, go ahead and give a uh, final prediction, and I won't be mad if you pick Florida State. Oh, yeah. I think think there's a wide variety of outcomes in this game. Uh, But I'll I'll take Florida State to cover. So (laughs) I think they cover the – I don't even know what it's – it was at nine and a half. I'm sure it's going to climb. Yeah, it was at 10, uh, but it, it'll probably climb with the injuries now. Yeah, I, I think there's uh, I think there's a wide variance on this game. I think it could go from Florida winning to Florida State blowing out Florida. I think there's kind of a wide, but I think more often than not, Florida State winning covers, especially with, with the injury. 
uh, injury concerns. Without it, I think you might get a tight game. But with those, it's going to be difficult. Get some turnovers, Florida. They've had one <laughs> every single a, game this year. So let's get some turnovers. <laughs> yeah, a defensive score would be cool. Maybe maybe we'll see the game changers uh, change the game in a positive way. Yeah, not in a negative way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seth. Thank you for joining me on Getting Small, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving, folks. I hope you're having a wonderful time with the family, and I hope you've been taking care of the other things you're thankful for that God gave you. You know what I'm talking about. And it's right around the corner, your jingle balls. And if you have not been in hibernation this winter, your boy David Soderquist could help you out thanks to your boys at Manscaped.com with their Platinum Package 4.0. Use promo code SWAMP20 to save 20% plus get free shipping at Manscaped.com. But... You can save even more with the Black Friday sale they have going on today all the way through November 30th and get 25% off and free shipping for a limited time. That is a complete steal, folks. I'm telling you, the Platinum Package gets the job done in half the time with less nicks, and it is way better than using just the regular industrial shavers that you can get caught up in a lot of weird scenarios, and you just you just don't want to be caught in all that, folks. So there's no better time to shop Manscaped for all your male grooming needs than this week. Make sure to tell the guys at Manscaped.com that your boy David Soderquist from Getting Swamp sent you when you order your Platinum Package 4.0 today at Manscaped.com for their Black Friday sale. Manscaped.com, the ultimate best in men's grooming. You're listening to Getting Swamped with David Soderquist. All right, Seth Varnador there, giving his insight to the Florida-Florida State game, does a great job over there, Seth Varnador and Films. And I took to Twitter last night because I wanted to make sure I could get some current comments on this, and I said the injury bug hits the wide receiver unit in a bad way. That's why I waited till Wednesday to record this podcast because um, I didn't know what the injury report was going to look like. I heard a lot of things about the injury report, and I wanted to make sure I had the whole injury report before I previewed Florida State. So this is why I waited so long. And this is kind of why I wait till Wednesday to do it, because I like to see what the injury report uh, looks like, what the presser looks like, and uh, go from there. So injury bug does hit the wide receiver unit in a bad way. Ricky Persall's questionable for the game. What are your thoughts heading into the matchup against Florida State in Tallahassee? And one guy quote tweeted it, old Jay Rock. He's in some of these spaces that we have here. He says, win the damn game. Right? Straight and simple. Yep. <laughs> Gator Josh says, run the damn ball. Straight and simple there. Yeah, we're going to have to run the football this game, guys, because wide receivers being out, and I've said it, like Richardson hasn't really passed that much as a quarterback in most of the games this year anyway. In the games that he passed for 400 yards, we lost because we couldn't run the football. So our bread and butter this year has been running the football, and that's how we've won games. So hopefully we can do that against Florida State. And as I said, if they rush if they want to bring everybody up, I mean, don't run up the middle. Design runs. That's how you get them, right? You got fast guys, ETN. <laughs> I want to see more carries from ETN. I love Montrell Johnson. He's very north and south. I get it. ETN is just a different kind of animal with that football in his hands. And I'm not saying that Montrell's not good because I love it when I see Montrell with the football in his hands too. I want to see more ETN runs. I think we only saw four last week, so... Yeah, we, we got to do a better job of getting ETN and our playmakers the football there. And uh, CJ Black, best chances for us to win our 2014 UGA game repeat. Yeah, well, the 2014 UGA game was like, I think, 400 yards combined between Matt Jones and Kelvin Taylor. But at the same time, we had an elite defense, and we don't have that right now. So now if we get the defense that played against South Carolina, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And he said, or switcheroo of Vandy where everything can go wrong and will go wrong for FSU. Can't really count on that. <laughs> I mean, you can't count on, oh, well, will FSU do this? They do generate a lot of penalties. Uh, I've noticed they're like a ranked in the hundreds in penalties. So maybe we get some breaks from that. But, I mean, you can't just rely on another team getting penalties for you to win the game or make it mistakes. You're going to have to cause those mistakes at some point. So uh, he did say they're probably going to play man and cover zero and sell out versus the run like Vandy, but with better athletes. Yeah, they have better athletes, but they don't have, like... <sighs> There's a lot of SEC teams we played this year that have had better athletes, and we've still beaten them pretty bad. Even Texas A&M, with those guys out for the flu. I mean, Florida State had been recruiting like A&M. A&M still had some high four-star guys out there and athletes, too. Um, 
they're going to have better athletes than Vanderbilt, but how, not really. I mean, Florida, when they lost to Vanderbilt, it took them shooting themselves in the foot at least 10 times for Vanderbilt to even beat them by seven. And we still had a chance to win the game if we don't throw a Hail Mary 50 yards into the stands. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I, I still think Florida has a chance to win this football game. You can call me an idiot or ridiculous or anything like that at all. Depends on how the wide receivers perform. I haven't seen a lot of Caleb Douglas. Haven't seen a lot of Dejon Reynolds. I mean, we've seen some, not a lot. And I've, they've made plays. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Ricky Persall being back will help. Uh, but this this team's bread and butter has been running the football. I mean, you go back and you look at a lot of these games. Man, it, it, Richardson doesn't pass for a lot of yards anyway. <laughs> His completion rating isn't great. So, I mean, does it really matter with the wide receivers being out? I don't know. We're just going to have to find out here uh, on Friday. Uh, Christopher Dyer, coach really seems to like Dejon Reynolds and Ricky Persall. Hopefully going to suit up so I feel more confident now than I did yesterday. We got to run the ball to win anyway. Just look like just look at last week. Yeah, exactly. We can do this, though, if we can stop their run game first. Yeah, that that's the main thing is um, defense. <laughs> um, if they're running around the perimeter like Vanderbilt was, it's going to be a long day. I mean, defense can't give up a lot of points. I mean, that's just what it is. They're going to have to do something. You you heard Trey Dean and his presser saying, well, we're, he said something about we're going to win and we're going to do this. Okay, well, you you spoke it. It's time, time to belly up. <laughs> time to belly up. We'll see. And you even heard Anthony Richardson and his presser saying, when we win this game, here, take a listen. Focus on winning the game. And, you know, when we win this one, it's definitely going to build momentum for us. So Richardson's pumped. He said, when we win this one, and I'll say this, I'm not a fan for bulletin board material. I don't even really think he meant to put bulletin board material out there. I think he's just confident in himself and his abilities and his team's abilities around that. And uh, he said, when we win this game, so, hey, you better belly up. I want to see it. I don't want to see any special teams blunders. I don't want to see any freak turnovers. I don't want to see drops. I don't want to see penalties on third down stops, on big explosive runs. I don't want to see any of that crap of what I saw last Saturday. Because if you win against Florida State and Tallahassee, Nobody cares about that Vanderbilt game, as I said at the beginning of this podcast. So just we'll see, man. We'll see if Florida can go into Tallahassee and take it to the Florida State Seminoles. That way we could shut them up for the fourth year in a row and uh, we don't have to hear anything from them until next year. But folks, that'll do it. That will do it for this episode of Getting Swamped. Happy Thanksgiving out there to all you folks. I was going to release this podcast on a Wednesday after I found out the injury report, but I waited till Thursday morning so you guys can prepare maybe some more of the Thanksgiving meals, festivities, and get a dose of getting swamped while you're doing that. Put on that headset, get that crock pot rolling, maybe get something in the oven or, you know, whatever you do to prepare for Thanksgiving. But folks, thank you for sending in your comments and thank you for listening to Getting Swamped, your latest in football statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening once again. To get swamped.